Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. Today's episode of Locked On Warriors is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting low carb protein bar I've ever had. The promo code Locked On gets you $10 off your first box at builtbar.com. Joining me on the phone is longtime warrior Monte Ellis. First of all, thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. Uh, how have you managed to uh, deal with the uh, this this pandemic? How are you staying active? Well, shoot. Uh, I just be working out with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my wife, my kids. Uh, then I train my um, youth basketball team. Uh, I got a fifth, sixth, and seventh grade that I coach. Uh, and I train them on the Zoom app. So I found ways to stay active. How long have you been doing that coaching? Uh, I've been coaching now going on a year. Um, I just started my organization like a year ago. And so I've been coaching it ever since then. Probably not, probably longer than that. When I, My last year in Indiana, I had started coaching my son's second and third grade team. So I've been doing it for a couple of years now. Gotcha. And um, what, what's your organization called? Ellis Elite. Ellis is Elite. All right. Um, so I wanted to get into some of your um, your time with the Warriors and or just the NBA in general. And I, I guess we'll start here. Uh, what was your What would you say your proudest moment on an NBA basketball court was? The very first game that I played. Um, actually, you know, uh, going through the whole process of the draft thing and whatever, and it turned out. Not how I expected, but, you know, to still be able to get that opportunity to be drafted by Golden State and, you know, to be able to stay around up instead of going to the D-League and doing all those things. So I was able to stay up and grow. So my first game in the NBA was probably the best moments of my, my career. What do you remember about that game? Um. Well, I remember – I ain't played very long, but I remember uh, my very first jump shot I hit in the uh, corner. Uh, my very first three, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a shootout that game. We always used to have like a hundred and sixty points when we played against Phoenix, so it was an exciting game, and it was a high scoring game. So, you know, to be able to play against Phoenix, hit my first shot, and to up against a fast paced team like that, and we was fast paced. It was a great game. And then later on, I mean, those We Believe teams have such a special place in Warriors fans' hearts. I know um, there's there's just a ton of stories out there, and, and Don Nelson in particular, known to crush a few beers with, with his players at the bar, but wasn't afraid to use the media also to sort of call you guys out either. And I, before that We Believe season, he said uh, to a newspaper that, you, that your team wouldn't make the playoffs. Did you... What did you think about that relationship with Don Nelson? And did, did his ability to sort of relate in that way, but also his willingness to call you out publicly, sort of keep you guys on your toes? Um, Don Nelson was very old school, and uh, we loved him, man. Um, when I was young, uh, coming in, it was different. But I had also had a coach in high school that was, <laughs> that was pretty intense and, and uh, did a lot of discipline. So with Don Nelson... Man, it was this one of those things, man. He just he he put you in a in a position to succeed, and when he gave you that reign to 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 play the game of basketball, it was fun, exciting, especially with his style of play. So um, that year, when he said we we're gonna make the playoffs, um, 
that was a turning point for us hmm. because a lot of a lot of players in that that um, locker room at that time we 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 didn't we didn't take that too 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 kindly and we just came together as a team and played hard and you know end up making the playoffs. What stands out to you about that series against the Mavericks? Man, the fans. Mm-hmm. Like going back and playing in Oracle, man, it was it was bananas. Like they stood up the whole game. It's like yo, it was rocking so so loud in that place that it, it, you could feel a vibration in your seat in your feet. So it was that was the craziest craziest thing I ever been a part of. I'd have been around a lot of arenas. I'd have been in, in state championship games, big games, but being in that environment. Like it's, it was nothing I ever experienced or been a part of my whole life. That was great. And then you got, and tactfully, you guys went small to start that series against the Mavericks. It kind of took them off their game. Do you feel like that that you that your team that year was sort of ahead of its time as far as playing small that way? I don't think we was ahead of our time. I just think we went into a great situation. Like mm. you know, when it comes to playing playoff basketball is all about matchups and that whole year that whole season like we just had dallas number and the reason why because we had the we had the cheat sheet you know don nelson knew everything about those guys mm. you know he knew all they said he knew everything they was gonna do you know uh so that was one of the biggest thing like that was the the key piece to that series that we had the intent the insight on each player, they tendencies, they go-to moves, everything. And, and as a group, we just, you know, came together, locked in, and executed the, the game plan that was that was presented to us. And we came out successful with it. How good do you think you guys could have been if if the Warriors didn't trade Jason Richardson that next offseason? Ah, man. Who, <laughs> who knows? We won't never know. But I can say this, though. We would have definitely went back to the playoffs two years in a row. And I believe that we would have got a higher seed than we got that eight seed. So I think it would have been some consistencies with playoffs appearance if we would have kept that team together. It's been reported since then that the reason they moved Jay Rich was to try to go out and get Kevin Garnett. Were you aware? When did you become aware of that as part of the reasoning why? I mean, to be honest with you, man, they told us a lot of things that, you know, <laughs> the reason why. It was. You know, Kevin Garnett, we had Stoudemire at one point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, if it wasn't a for sure deal or for sure thing to happen, we should have never pulled the trigger on it, if you ask me. Because we didn't trade Jay Rich to to, um, to the Timberwolves. We traded him to Charlotte mm-hmm. for they pick for Brandon Wright. So, it wasn't, like, if that was the case, if that, if that deal wasn't in place to be done like that right then we should have never pulled the trigger on we should just gave ourselves a chance to come back see how we was gonna do that season and then if, if it presented itself around uh trade deadline then we could have made a move or something like that but i think we should have just gave ourselves a better opportunity the following season because we had finished so strong and we was on we was on a positive um note that I think that would have carried on. That momentum that we had going into that season would have carried on us for the next season. Is that how you felt right away once that once that trade was made? What was the vibe like on the team? 
man, it was it was crazy because I mean everybody was upset about it. Yeah, I mean because they never they, they like we never got a chance to 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 do it together as a like for a whole year. Like people don't understand. Like that was only two or three months of <laughs> of being together out, out, out after the trade deadline. Right. I mean so. Just imagine we would have been together the whole season, start a training camp and all that. It would have been exciting, man. And everybody saw that. And when that happened, we all called each other and we were talking and we even talked to Jay Rich. He was hot. He was fired up. He was furious. And we all was because we were like, dang, like they didn't give us a, another chance. They didn't give us an opportunity to, to come back and repeat this. We'll have more with Monte Ellis. But first, the world of protein bars is being rebuilt by Built Bar. This is the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. A protein bar covered in 100% real chocolate. It's delicious. With 16 amazing flavors, Built Bar tastes like a candy bar while delivering fewer sugars and carbs, making it better tasting and better for you than any of the competitors. With delicious flavors like mint brownie, raspberry chocolate cream, and toffee almond, Built Bar is like a cheat code for health-conscious men and women everywhere. These bars are low-calorie and they're low-sugar, while also being high in protein and fiber, making them perfect for any ketogenic and any other low-carb diet. For me, I go back and forth between keto and low-carb diets, and no matter what my healthy eating pattern, Built Bar is perfect for me. One of my personal favorite flavors, by the way, peanut butter brownie is packed with 20 grams of protein with just 170 calories, 3 grams of sugars, and just 3 net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, one word, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Going back to some of those personalities on that team, you said, I have read this, that um, never bet Baron Davis to do anything because he's going to do it. <laughs> but you And I, I read an example that uh, you guys once bet him to wear a cowboy outfit on camera as a dare, and then he went ahead and did it, and it cracked you guys all up. But what is something that you guys dared him to do that he did that wasn't on camera? Anything else like a cowboy outfit on TNT or anything like that? Nah, that's just it right there. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about uh, where you grew up in, in Jackson, Mississippi, which was obviously a really big part of the civil rights movement. I, I'm just curious, is that something that you feel growing up there? Is that part of like the the day-to-day of growing up there? Um, I mean... In Mississippi, it's a lot yeah. that goes on. You know what I mean? Um, and so you have to you have to face that. You know, you have to face the drugs, the the violence. You know, the, uh, just everything around, man. Um, so it wasn't like when I grew up, man. All thing I tried to I tried to do was focus on a lot of positive things, keep myself away from a lot of harmful things and 
basketball was was my scapegoat. That what that saved me and kept me on a straight and narrow. And don't get me wrong, like I got into some things when I was a kid, and you know some things that I, I wasn't proud of. But you know, thank God, you know He made me through them situations, and I learned from them and I grew. But I mean, I just when it's when when you come from where I come from, man, you just try to see the light and not try to, you know put that bubble on and, and, and being in that environment where you at because if you do, that's where you're going to get stuck in. So I always try to be, think outside the box, be mindful of the things that I do, the people that was around me, my surroundings, everything that I did. And, you know, from the grace of God, I was able to make it out of there. I mean, how hard was it to, to avoid some of those things with the, the uh, gang it violence? It was very hard because, yeah. I mean, some of the things that was going on, that was, that was, it was in, within my family. I had family members that, you know, did certain things, game bang, drugs. I mean, so, I mean, it was just, to me, it was just part of life that I just had to find a way to escape from it. That's how I looked at it. And, you know, from, you know, being raised by my grandparents and my mom, they kept me out of a lot of, a lot of trouble as well by staying on my butt. You know, I used to get whoopings, so... Um, I know I try not to get too many of those from them, so I I, I try to do the right thing and most of the time and, and play basketball as much as I can. So that's how I was able to get through it. And your brother Antoine, right? Um, yeah, he was a standout high school player too. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how he influenced your career early on? Well, when I first started playing basketball, my brother put the ball in my hands and um, the drills and stuff that he used to learn from his coaches and stuff. He used to come back and make me do them. Um, so like when I was at home and he come home from practice, he'll make me do lines, drills, suicides on the, from curve to curve, touch either crack. Um, and we could find four or five cracks. And I used to use those in running line drills. And so I guess up in the summertime, Five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, and uh, we'll go out and work. And shoot, when he wasn't around, that's just one of the routines that I kept. But he instilling to me. My brother was six nine, you know, played the one through the five. You know, he could mm-hmm. shoot, rebound, block shots, dribble the basketball, could pass, score. He did it all at six nine, and um, you know, he changed. He changed my life. On and off the basketball court, because off the basketball court, you know, he, he got caught up within the the environment, um, hanging with the wrong people, got doing the wrong things, and, you know, got caught up with their drugs. And so that, that made me, you know, go down a different path, didn't want to, you know, do drugs and didn't want to hang out with certain people. And so I always stuck to myself. I played basketball, and that was it. Uh, so he... he he he's the big reason why I am who I am today, on and off the basketball court. Do you feel like you could have maybe gotten sucked into those things had it not been for for him maybe setting a, a, oh, a bad example? If, if if it wasn't him that had to go through that experience first, I probably would have came back and did the the same exact thing that he did. Cause I looked up to my brother. My brother was everything to me, mm-hmm. and that was one of the biggest disappointment in my life is when he had to go through his situation because it's like 
he was fighting for his sanity and, you know, fighting for, for love for his loved ones who turned their back on him. Um, that it kind of put me in a shell. Um, it kind of got me to where I don't trust people as much. Um, and, um, yeah, man, I, I, if he wouldn't, if he wouldn't have went the way that he would have went, I probably, my life probably be a little bit different. How much older is he than you? Five years. And how's he doing now? He's doing great. Hey, excellent. You know, he, uh, he back in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he taking care of his, um, his, his grandma right now who's, who's sick. And so he lives and take care of her, make sure she okay. But he doing excellent. He doing great. Um, and as far as your high school career, you were one of the top players in your in your high school class. You you almost went to Mississippi State, but instead decided to jump right into the NBA. Um, and I'm and like, it's not often that a blue chip player like you 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 were ranked you know number two I think on a lot of the boards back then is taken. In the second round, would you still have made that decision knowing how far you slid? Because a lot of projections had you in the, as a first-round pick. Yeah. Uh, would you have still made that decision? I mean, yeah, cause my main thing was I looked at college like this. The things that I was doing in high school, like, so I figured like that if I went to college, I was going to see those same people. It didn't matter. So I just wanted a bigger challenge. So instead of me going to Mississippi State, I just decided to go to the NBA. And that was always my dream anyway as a kid to go to the NBA out of high school. No matter where I went, I just wanted to go out of high school. And so that was my thing. I worked on it. And, you know, like I said, for the grace of God, I was able to get that opportunity and, you know, make the best of it. Even though it didn't look good at first. But I always knew, you know, my work ended my ability that I have and the love I have for the game that I was going to get better than I could make it in the NBA. So... That was my biggest thing. I didn't really was going to go to college. I only signed with Mississippi State because they were the home team. Mm-hmm. And to get them the recruit points, you know, to help them out on that. But other than that, though, I wasn't really looking to go to college. My main thing was to go to the NBA out of high school. Even if I was going second round or first round, I still was going to make that decision. I, with that in mind, what what are you in favor of them again eliminating that sort of one and done pathway? And, and are you in favor of just players being able to go right to the NBA from high school? I mean, I think it's good for players to be able to go to high school. I mean, if you're able to, if you have the ability to do it, hey, why not? You know what I mean? But I just think that these kids get blamed for something that is really not their fault. Um, you know, the high schoolers that was getting drafted out before. And the reason why they did it, because we had so many busts that come from out of high school. But if you think about it, you know, you pay your money to your scouts. So if your scouts sit here and and, and scouted this kid and he didn't pan out to what it was, I don't think it should be the kid's fault. It should be the scout's fault. Hmm. But, you know, with that being said, you know, if they got the ability to do it, then, hey, do it. I mean, you just got to have somebody with the right eyes on, you know, doing their homework on these kids before they draft them. What was the biggest adjustment from going to high school to the NBA? Just from a, a not just on the court, but like from a life perspective, I imagine that must be pretty shocking to make that transition. It was. I say the biggest adjustment was me was is getting to you know I had to grow up and learn a lot because I've come from high school eighteen years old, and then mm-hmm. when I went down to California in the Bay. Shoot, I went by myself. Well, me and 
one of my cousins and my my best friends. And shoot, we all the same age. So, you know, to, to be able to, you know, pay your bills, you know, get on a schedule where you have to get up early to be at the gym and do this and do that. And so my adjustment was really was adjusting to live on my own, to be able to learn how to juggle my life with being a basketball player and just being a regular guy off the court. Um, so, you know, like I said, me being young, going into that city, that was my biggest challenge. We'll have more with Monte Ellis next. This is Locked On Warriors. Is it true that you found out that you were traded from the Warriors by watching ESPN? Yes. What was that like? Heartbreaking. It was a turning point in my career because I felt like I was owed the opportunity to be to know what was happening. And the killing part was I had just talked to them before I left the the hotel. And they told me that they wasn't going to trade me. We was a couple games out of the A spot, and we was going to try to make a run. And so with me, I'm like, okay, I'm cool with that. And then I leave from the hotel and get to the arena. And I go in, and one of my teammates, Dominique McGuire, he say, bro, you been trading. I said, nah, bro. I ain't been trading. They told me that uh, they weren't going to trade me. I just got on the phone with him in the Western Bank. He was like, bro, they just traded. just came out of the bottom. So, me and him, he grabbed me. He said, look. He turned, he turned me around. We let it come all the way back around. And he said, breaking news. Montana's have been traded. Didn't call my agent, didn't tell me nothing, anything. So it was just, it was just messed up how they did it. You know what I mean, like I understand they wanted to go a, a, another uh, another direction. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I was kind of, uh, kind of fed up with, with um, with some of the things that was going on around there with some of the players and and um. Some of the stuff that they was doing that wasn't right, and it was kind of putting a, a damper off in the locker room. And but they tried to make it seem like it was me, but I just that 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 would that would hurt that that killed me because I, I felt like I deserved I deserved better than that because I had gave that that organization everything I had. Even from when they doubted me out, counted me out when I had my anchor injury from my moped accident, and I still was able to fight back from that and still be able to get my 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 game and elevate my game every year I was there. And so for them to do that, and then for them to send me to Milwaukee where they sent me at, it was it was kind of like they were trying to stick it to me, like they were trying to hurt me or something. So mm. I, I ain't stay too fond of that. What sort of things were happening in that locker room that you were getting sick of? I mean, you know, one thing about it, man, when as as players and we got in that locker room, that's that's our sanctuary. And whatever we does, whatever we do in that, that locker room or on those planes or in our room or wherever when we together, that stay between us. That don't never go back 
and we just I just things that we had team bonding and it's just things that were coming up and we was like like why mm-hmm. you know what I mean like this this hour time and we ain't doing nothing crazy but why this even coming up and so things just started slipping out and I just couldn't deal I can't deal with that I can't deal with nobody who gonna fake and laugh in my face and then throw shade in the back I just can't do that And you mentioned the moped incident. I mean, it was reported then that you had lied to the organization that you were, you were, you, you know, injured yourself by playing basketball or something. What happened there? Why did you feel the need? If you, if you, if that was, if that report is true, why did you feel, is that, was, was the trust already between you and the front office broken down to the point where you felt the need to lie about it? Uh Uh-uh. The thing was, man, I was a young kid. I had just signed the biggest deal of my life. It's like, everything flashed in front of you. So that was the, my biggest thing was to be like, man, I got to try making something like basketball related. So I panicked. I said what I said. But then after I did that, I came back and I told him exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then I cooperated with even trying to, you know, I said, I'll give you 2.5 back from the contract that I just signed. And so they suspended me for 66 games. Well, they already knew I was going to miss anyway just so they could get another 500000 so it could be $3 million versus 2.5. And so that's when our relationship turned. You were definitely happy when you saw them, when you heard that Oracle was booing ownership after they traded you. You had to be happy after that, right? Uh-huh. When 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 the when Warriors fans booed Joe Lake up on, uh, that, on Chris Mullen night after you were traded, I mean... Well, how did you feel when you saw that? I mean, to be honest with you, I felt happy and sad at the same time. And the reason why I felt I, I was happy that they did that and I, I, they, they supported me my whole life. And that's one reason why I love the Bay Area. I love the fans. You know what I mean? I still got people in that organization I love. But it was also... It was sad to me because it was Chris Mullen night. Mm. And he deserved that. Um to 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 receive that accomplishment and everything be pinpointed on him for that night. But I mean it was it was it was happy and sad at the same time. You've been really supportive of Steph Curry um since you know, since being traded and everything. I you do you feel like um, do you feel like so many, now so many years later do you feel like Curry could have became what it is that he became if he had if he had shared the backcourt with a scorer such as yourself for for that much longer? I mean, who 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 knows? I mean, he probably he would have. You know, what I mean, we just would have had to make it work somehow. But I mean, at that time. I just think that it was just the the West was just too big at that guard position to play two guards at that time. Okay, um, I've got a couple of lightning round questions I want to ask you. Um, first, being if you could take three albums and only three albums to listen to on a road trip, what would they be? Ah, uh, man. Well, it's gonna be my. It's gonna be one. It's gonna be a Wayne album. Mm-hmm. I pick whichever one. He got a bunch of them I can select from. 
he would definitely be one of my artists I take for an album. If I had to pick an album, I would have to say the Carter two. Mm. Um, then I'm have to go with my other guy, Yo Gotti, which man, he got so many <laughs> albums that I like and love that shoot. I don't know, it just depends on how I feel that day or what mode I'm in for with the which album I'm gonna pick for Gotti. And then my third one is gonna be either Young G's or or T.I. or something like that, something old that I was listening to back in the day. Um, like G's and Trap or Die or T.I. Motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, any one of those right there, but those my guys. What teammate in your career was most likely to reach for the dinner check? For sure, Jack. Okay. Steven Jackson, for sure. Least likely. She ain't Baron Dave. <laughs> um, the best meal in Jackson, Mississippi is, because they've got a lot of these places featured on Food Network. You say the best meal in Jackson is? Where's the best meal that you can get in Jackson, Mississippi? I used to have this old barbecue space called NL Barbecue, mm-hmm. but they ain't as good as they used to be when their grandparents owned it. But they still decent, and I always, when I go back home, I got to have it. So I would have to say it's a, a spot called NL Barbecue that's right around the corner from where I stayed in, so I can walk to it. So it's in my neighborhood. Okay, last one and most important the 2017 Warriors or the 1997 Bulls? Who wins in a game? You say 2017 Warriors and 1997 Bulls? Yep. Man, that's tough, but man, I'm I, I'm gonna I'm have to go with the I'm gonna have to go with the 97 Bulls. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why being is uh it just man, I mean, let's I'm gonna say this. Which which era that we playing in? It's a seven game series starting tomorrow. And anything, okay, start tomorrow. Yeah, so these rules. I, I mean, I say 97 bull, but it's going to be, it's going to go to game seven, then it's going to go to the last possession of the game. Gotcha. But, but I'll take the bulls. I'll take the bulls in seven. All right. Um, Monty, this was great. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time here. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, have a great, great one. Bye. Right, you too. Thanks again to Monte Ellis for joining the show. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you can, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. When we get done here, you can tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of other Locked on Network podcasts, including Chad Ford's Big Board. Thanks for listening, and stay safe.